Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. Really appreciate it. As always, we talked a lot about the importance of skepticism and how the media has demonized the questioning of any of their narratives. And today I wanted to give you some backstory on why you cannot just trust what they are telling you. You need to resist the urge to dismiss people as conspiracy theorists and today we're going to take a journey through history and this is what happened and this is what is happening so explore the wonderful world of what you don't know like they said no one is half the battle well the other half is being self-aware enough to know that you don't know everything today we're going to talk about operation mockingbird And that was a CIA operation that began in the 1950s to influence the media. So what the CIA did here is they recruited leading American journalists into this network to help present the CIA's views. They also funded student and cultural organizations, magazines as fronts, okay, to get their narrative, to get their message out. It also worked to influence foreign media, political campaigns, and it was used to also aid whatever CIA operations were going on at the time. So where did this begin? How did this start? Well, let's go back to the end of World War II, 1948. Frank Wisner is appointed the Office of Special Projects. Okay, this is the CIA's covert branch. So what the hell did the Office of Special Projects do? Well, they were responsible for propaganda, economic warfare, preventative direct action, including sabotage, anti-sabotage, demolition, evacuation measures, subversion against hostile states assisting underground resistance groups, supporting indigenous anti-communist elements in all the countries of the free world that they deemed threatened by communism. Wisner established Operation Mockingbird, and he recruited Philip Graham, who was the owner of the Washington Post, to run this project within the industry. According to Deb Davis, by the early 1950s, Wisner owned respected members of the New York Times, Newsweek, CBS, and other communication vehicles. So 1951, Alan Dulles persuaded Cord Meyer to join the CIA, and he became Mockingbird's principal operative. Now, Alan Dulles got promoted in 1953 to CIA director, and by that time, Operation Mockingbird had major influence over 25 newspapers and wire agencies. And remember, this is back in the day. We still have news wires today online, but back in the day, the newswire was a service that allowed companies to post like press releases and other stories to the public, and then the journalists would monitor the newswire service and pick up stories they wanted to use, and then just kind of take cut, cut and paste that story. So they had 25 newspapers and the newswire service that they had major influence over by the early 1950s. And what they would do is they would place reports that were developed from the intelligence provided by the CIA to witting and unwitting reporters. 
And these reports would be then repeated or cited by other reporters, which in turn would be cited throughout the media wire service. So it was just like this big loop where you'd throw one story out there, it would get picked up by a bunch of people, and then other people would pick those stories up. So it didn't take a lot to get a narrative out there. And much like today, the same thing happens today. Everyone cites the same goddamn thing. No one actually does any reporting anymore. So it's very easy to package something out there, let it get gobbled up, and just watch it spread like wildfire. That's, again, why all the news sounds the same. They use the same verbiage, the same vocabulary. They, they use the same shit because they're reading from the same source. So these networks were run by liberal, pro-American big businesses that had a lot of anti-Soviet, anti-communist views. You had people like William S. Paley, who was the president of CBS, Henry Lucy, Time Magazine, Arthur Hayes Salzberger, The New York Times, Alfred Friendly, he was the Washington Post editor, Jerry O'Leary, a Washington Post journalist, Hal Hendricks from the Miami News, Barry Bingham Sr., Louisville newspaper, he was a TV guy and owned a couple of radio stations as well. So they had all of these big business pro-American guys willing to help them do this work under the guise of, hey, we need to fight communism, right? Those damn Soviets. This operation was funded by siphoning funds that were intended for the Marshall Plan. And this money was used to bribe journalists and publishers and, and really fund this entire operation. So the Marshall Plan, this was back in, again, at the end of World War II, April 3rd, 1948, President Truman signed the Economic Recovery Act of 1948. It became known as the Marshall Plan, named after the Secretary of State George Marshall, who in 1947 proposed that the U.S. provide some economic assistance to restore the economic infrastructure of post-war Europe. So it's funny, it's the same story, different day, right? We have all these Inflation Recovery Acts, all these bullshit acts that just provide this pork spending to be totally unaccounted for and just used for other nefarious shit. So it was the same back in 48. They had the Economic Recovery Act to rebuild Europe because we fucking leveled that in during World War II, but all that money didn't end up going over there. It was used by the CIA to launch Operation Mockingbird. So Wisner was always looking for ways to help convince the public of the dangers of Soviet communism. This is a theme back then. Everyone was so fucking paranoid about communism that it became an obsession with a lot of people. And when you have people in power that have unlimited budgets, this is the kind of shit that happens. In 1954, Wisner arranged for the funding of a Hollywood production of Animal Farm. That was the book written by George Orwell. And according to Alex Constantine, in the 50s, they had 3,000 salaried and contracted CIA employees were engaged in this propaganda effort. So it was not only the print media, the news media, the radio, but they were also getting their hooks into Hollywood and trying to control the narrative through Hollywood. And Wisner was able to constrain newspapers from reporting about certain events, right? Because you don't want any real journalist of the day reporting on what the hell is going on. So he was able to squash reporting on certain events, you know, including CIA plots to overthrow governments because they overthrew the governments of Iran and Guatemala, 
In Guatemala, they helped overthrow President Jacob Guzman in Operation PB Success. And what they did was they prevented any reporters from actually going to Guatemala. So that was one of their ways they prevented anyone from actually reporting on the story is you wouldn't, you know, don't let the New York Times reporter go down there, but just throw the news story up on the wire about what's going on. It's picked up by everyone. And bam, you just controlled the entire narrative of the U.S. helping overthrow the government in Guatemala. So when we also have to talk about, when we're talking about Mockingbird, we also have to talk about Thomas Braden, who is the head of International Organizations Division. And later in his life, he revealed his role in the CIA. He said, quote, if the director of the CIA wanted to extend a present, say to someone in Europe, maybe a labor leader, suppose he just thought he was, you know, doing a great job, he could just give that man $50,000 and he could just hand it to him, right? He never, he, he never had to account to anybody. He went on to say there was simply no limit to the money they could spend, no limit to the people they could hire. There was no limit to the activities that was necessary to conduct this war, this like secret war. And it was multinational. So in August of 1952, there was the Office of Policy Coordination. So this is all within the CIA. The Office of Policy Coordination, they were doing psychological influence operations, so PSYOPs. They merged with the Office of the Special Operations. That's what we're talking about here, which dealt with the espionage, right? So they all merged under Deputy Director Alan Dulles. When Alan Dulles became CIA director a year later, Frank Wisner became the head of the new organization. Operation Mockingbird now became the responsibility of the DDP. That's the Deputy Director of Plans. I know it's a little confusing because there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of acronyms, but we get what's going on here, right? The CIA is using money to influence media to control the narrative. What we've always been talking about, those who tell stories, rule society, you control the narrative, you control people. So this is their way of controlling the narrative through Operation Mockingbird. Now, as this is going on, J. Edgar Hoover of the FBI starts getting a little jealous because the CIA is growing power and he starts to investigate a number of the CIA operatives. So if you know anything about Jager Hoover, he was a fucking, he was very paranoid and he kept files on fucking everybody. Okay. So he started looking into all these CIA guys. He used to call them uh, Wisner's group of weirdos. So he's looking into the, all, all the CIA operatives and he finds some of them were active in left-wing politics in the thirties, right? So this information was passed on to Senator Joseph McCarthy now McCarthy starts stirring up this shit with the help from Hoover. McCarthy starts accusing CIA operatives of being compromised by the communists. Okay, so Hoover gave McCarthy dirt on Wisner, who was banging some princess in Romania. So now, you know, McCarthy was convinced that she was a communist operative and that turned Wisner against the U.S., there's a one big clusterfuck here in the intelligence covert world and the FBI. Okay, so then what does the CIA do? Well, they unleash their fucking Operation Mockingbird on Senator McCarthy because he keeps rooting around and exposing shit that's going on. So this is how effective Mockingbird is, right? They grab syndicated columnists Drew Pearson, Joe Alsop, Jack Anderson, Walter Lippmann, CBS's Ed Morrow, and they all engage in this intensely negative coverage of Senator McCarthy. Okay, and according to Jake Anderson, his political reputation was permanently damaged by this press coverage. 
Again, are they doing that to anyone else nowadays? Is anyone else the sole focus of all this negative press? And it's effective, right? That is how powerful this shit is. They did it to a sitting senator because he started asking questions. So Operation Mockingbird changed hands a couple more times with different people being in charge of it. And then all of a sudden, accurate reporting of what the CIA was actually doing started trickling out. Okay, so the CIA tried to control what was published, and they succeeded in suppressing most, but some actual reporting still got out. In 1964, Random House's publishing released a book, The Invisible Government, by David Wise and Thomas Ross, which the CIA tried to buy the rights to this book to prevent it from being released. It's in the show notes. You can look that book up. Rampart Magazine had an article by Saul Stern where they exposed the CIA funding the National Student Association. That's titled The NSA and the CIA. That's also in the description. Check that report out. In 1975, Senator Frank Church started investigating Operation Mockingbird. Okay, so now you have a congressional investigation into this shit. So they published their congressional report in 1976, and this is what they said. He said, quote, The CIA currently maintains a network of several hundred foreign individuals around the world who provide intel for the CIA and at times influence opinion through the use of propaganda. These individuals provide the CIA talking points to large numbers of newspapers, periodical sources of press services, news agencies, radio stations, television stations, commercial book publishers, and other foreign media outlets, end quote. So basically, the church hearings is what they're referred to, kind of blow up uh, Operation Mockingbird. So they boot out the director of the CIA, the high ever new one, hey, George Herbert Walker Bush, in 1976, becomes the director of the CIA. And he announces a new policy. Hey, effective immediately, the CIA will not enter into any paid or contract relations with full or part-time news correspondents, end quote. But he also went on to say they would welcome the voluntary unpaid cooperation of the journalists. That was supposed to be the end of Operation Mockingbird. Director CIA George Bush saying... We're not going to do it anymore. And that was it. And let's fast forward to 1983. This is an interview with CIA officer Frank Snepp on how they planted stories in the press. This is courtesy of Edward Snowden via Twitter. You briefed the press, did you not, when you were there? Well, I had several jobs. One of my jobs was that of analyst. Uh, I also was an interrogator and indeed briefed the press when we, the CIA, wanted to... um, circulate disinformation on a particular issue. Disinformation is not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a lie. It may be a half-truth. And uh, we would pick out a journalist. I would go do the briefing and uh, hope that he would put the information in print. For instance, uh, if we wanted to get uh, across to the American public that the North Vietnamese were building up their force structure in South Vietnam, I would go to a journalist and advise him that in the past uh, six months, X number of North Vietnamese forces had come down the Ho Chi Minh Trail system through southern Laos. Now, there is no way a journalist can check that information. So either he goes with the information or he doesn't, and ordinarily or usually, the journalist would go with it because it it looked like some kind of exclusive. And um, I would say our percentage uh, 
planning that kind of data was uh, 70 to 80 percent. The correspondents we targeted were those who had terrific influence, the most uh, respected journalists in Saigon, like Robert Chaplin of the New Yorker magazine, Kai's Beach uh, of the Los Angeles Times from time to time, and also he worked for the Chicago Daily News. Uh, Bud Merrick of U.S. News and World Report, uh, Malcolm Brown of the New York Times, uh, even Maynard Parker of Newsweek magazine. Uh, we would uh, go after these gentlemen. Uh, I would uh, be directed to cultivate them, to spend time with them at uh, the Caravel Hotel or the Continental Hotel, to socialize with them, and, and slowly but surely to try to gain their confidence by dolloping out uh, valid information, information which was true. And then I would drop in a, into a conversation the data that we wanted to get across, which might not be true. Uh, one piece of data, for instance, uh, that we managed to plan in the New Yorker magazine had to do with uh, a supposed North Vietnamese effort in 1973 to develop airfields along the border of South Vietnam. The reason we wanted to plant this information was that we were trying to persuade the U.S. Congress that Saigon should be continued to, should continue to get a great deal of aid uh, and that uh, the North Vietnamese were the chief violators of the ceasefire accord. That was printed in uh, the New Yorker magazine under the byline of Robert Chaplin, as indeed was a great deal of such information which... Uh, which we tried to circulate. If I planted a piece of information with a reporter, I would ordinarily then try to create an environment in which he could not check the information. I would go to the British ambassador and brief him on the disinformation I had just given the reporter. So when the reporter wanted to cross-check what I told him with, uh, say, the British ambassador, New Zealand ambassador, or what have you, he would get false confirmation, the same message coming back at him, and he'd say, aha, I've got proof that Frank Snap told me the truth, when in fact, what he'd gotten was simply an echo of what uh, I'd given him in the first place via the British ambassador or other of our friendly diplomatic contacts. I am, as an ex-CI agent, uh, opposed to the disinformation activities uh, in which I was involved. I admit that I was involved, and I think it... Uh, uh, serve no useful purpose uh, propagandizing the American uh, public or Congress is not the CIA's job. Wow. Okay. Frank Sneep, CIA agent, given an interview in 1983. Pretty much just laying out exactly what we've talked about, uh, Operation Mockingbird. And he actually went into detail and said some of the names I said about who the hell was involved in this. We mentioned a while back Noam Chomsky's book, Manufacturing Consent, okay, in which he lays out that the mainstream media's job is to manufacture public support for actions or policy for the military industrial complex to carry out and profit from. So just two quick examples from my lifetime. Iraq War number one, no one supported that war. There was no congressional support. There was no public support for that war until there was this news story huh, that was just planted, just happened to come out that Iraqi soldiers were taking babies out of the incubators and throwing them on the ground. Well, we can't have that, so we fucking invaded, 
Okay, that was enough to get congressional support, and that was enough to get the public support, more importantly, so when Congress voted on it, they wouldn't get a phone call from every goddamn citizen in the district saying, what the hell are you doing? Okay, because everyone is sympathetic to babies getting chucked out of make-believe incubators. Another example, Iraq number two. You know, Saddam's got weapons he shouldn't. Weapons of mass destruction. We need to get in there. Again. Oh, shit, we can't find him. Oh, well. I suggest you listen to the audiobook of Manufacturing Consent, as I did, because Chomsky is a linguist, and he's it, it, it was hard for me to read his words. Uh, it was a lot easier for me to hear his words, so definitely check that out. But you will be blown away by what actually happened. And then you can contrast that to what you were told, and you quickly realize they just make shit up. And they get the support so they can do this shit. Julian Assange said the job of the government is to take taxpayer money and funnel it into the military industrial complex and just basically steal it from you. It's a wealth transfer. Look around. I mean, are you surprised he was held up in an Ecuadorian embassy in London from 2012 to 2019 because they were trying to fucking get him? And then finally he was arrested and he's been in prison since in 2019. U.S. is trying to extradite him. They try to kill him in prison. They're trying to charge him with espionage charges. And the only witness they had against him was a drug addict who admitted he lied. But they still, they're still charging him. You know, no witness, no problem. Again, Assange said the job of the government is to take taxpayer money and funnel it to the military industrial complex. I mean, what do you think? The military budget we know of is $800 billion a year. And that's not including the $18 billion in Ukraine, the $4.89 billion in Afghanistan, $3.3 billion in Israel, $1.72 billion in Jordan, $1.46 billion in Egypt, $960 million in Iraq, $922 million in Ethiopia, $809 million to Yemen, $800 million to Colombia, $793 million to Nigeria, and $790 million to Lebanon. That's a lot of tax dollars flying around the world. And for what exactly? I mean, they call it aid. It's not to benefit we the people. They couldn't give us health care during a pandemic. Okay? <laughs> Homelessness is an issue in every city, town, all over this country. Social Security isn't adequately funded. Our debt-to-GDP ratio is 150%, meaning we spend one and a half times our country's gross domestic product. But hey, good thing we sent $809 million to Yemen... But while at the same time we sell $3 billion in Patriot missiles to Saudi Arabia to commit the genocide against Yemen. I hope this sparks some curiosity to maybe check it out for yourself. There's plenty of links in the description. Why don't you just Google it? I mean, it's all out there. This, shit, this shit's even on YouTube. If this is too much for you to handle, then just go back to sleep. Because that's what they're counting on. Today's call to action is to shut off the cable news... Start looking into all of the things that they tell you are dangerous, or they tell you not to look at, or all the things they deem misinformation, or all the things they're censoring. Take my COVID approach. Do exactly the opposite of what they tell you.
Cause I'm gonna wait to stay, gonna make you pay for that great. 